We've been in a series the last, uh, well, we started last week, uh, and I want to strongly encourage you, if you missed last week's message, go back to our YouTube page, check it out. I guarantee you it'll bless you. But we started a series last week called It Matters. And we're talking about why church matters, why the church matters. And it's not, we're not talking about a place we attend. We're not talking about something religious that we do, that, that we do. The church is actually something more. The church is made up of people. It's you, it's me, it's us, it's God moving through people, amen? And so there are certain things, certain elements about the church that really make it matter. And last week we saw that the power of God gives us a purpose. Well, this week I want to talk to you on a topic directly from the heart of God, and I want to encourage you not to lean into what I have to say here. I want you to really lean into the Word of God. But today I want to talk to you on the topic, Saved to serve. Saved to serve. Go ahead and tell somebody, you're saved to serve. Saved tell somebody else, you're saved to serve. Listen, there is a reason why God has done such a great thing in our lives, because we're saved to serve. And I want you to see this directly from the scripture. We're going to go back to Acts chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 42, and it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Watch this. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Something started happening amongst these people. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a depiction, a historical account recorded, not for the benefit of just simply seeing what God was doing, but this is actually what the church is today. It's what it's supposed to look like today. See, it, it, as Christians, we are called to be driven to service. We're called to be doers, not just hearers of God's word. Amen. It's a sign of us actually being Christians. You know, if you study the book of Acts, what you'll find is that uh, the, God was moving amongst these people who were driven to serve one another and serve others. And the scripture says that it was then that they began to call them Christians. You know, the, the, the term Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> his last name was not Christ. That was his title. That was his, that, that, that was his anointing, the promised one, the Messiah. But the thing about it is that they began to see something distinctly different about these people amongst others. And the scripture says that they call them Christians. In other words, little Christs. Something began to change in this region through these people. And it was directly tied to who Christ is. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 20, starting at verse 25, says this. It says that Jesus called them together and he said, You know the rulers and the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Here's what he's saying here. He's saying, you know how the world does it. 
They lord amongst one another authority. They exercise authority amongst one another. It's all about title. It's all about position. But watch this. He says, not so with you. Let's stress that for a moment. Not so with you. Not so with you. Not so with you. Not with us. Watch this. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Jesus is talking about greatness in life. He's talking about the pinnacle of life. And he says that greatness in life, you must be a servant, he says, a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, watch this, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What are we seeing here? Jesus is literally uh, telling us that we are to follow the same uh, manner of life that he exemplified when he was here on earth. Now, the context of this is very interesting. Because if you read the backstory on this, Jesus was, is with his disciples, and the mother of two of his disciples, James and John, uh, comes to him and she says, Jesus, I want you to do this for me. Here's my request for you that my sons would have a place in glory with you when you return to glory, that one would sit at your right and one would sit at the left of your throne. And Jesus says, no, you've got this all wrong. Now, here's what's interesting. The other ten disciples, if you read this, the scripture clearly states that they got offended. You know why they got offended? Because they wanted that position. And what Jesus is saying here is, not so with you. That's not how this works. That's not how the kingdom of God works. That's not what walking with Jesus is about. He says, if you're going to walk with me, then you're going to be a servant because that's what I came to do. I came to serve, to serve. And so service, we see here, according to the words of Jesus, is a part of our DNA. It's part of our makeup now as believers as new creations. Now, I know when you think about DNA, you think about it from a scientific standpoint, but I like to think of it this way. We're talking about the divine nature of Almighty God. The divine nature of Almighty God which rests in us, which is at work in us. That's part of our makeup, and so we are saved to serve. Which brings me to a key point. Saved people serve people. Saved people Amen. serve people. Listen, saved people serve people. I want you to do something with me. Take 10 seconds and look all around you. Look all around you. Look in, the, in front of you, behind you, to your left, to your right. If you've ever thought about God, what have you called me to do? Just look all around you. Because saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. Why? Because the scripture tells us that we were created for good works. And if it was good enough for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God who came in the form of man to serve, what makes us think that serving is beneath us? Serving is not beneath us, friends. As a matter of fact, it's our high call. So herein we see a great paradox. 
You know, we live in a day and age, especially around this time, let's be honest, because even with us it happens. We somehow get motivated to be a little bit more giving, a little bit more serving, right? We, we, we're driven to do something extra nice for people. Why? Because it's the season, so to speak. The problem with that is that it presents to us a great paradox. You see, you can serve people and not be a Christian. Everyone's doing that around this time. A lot of people are doing that around this time. But here's the great paradox. You cannot be a Christian and not serve. Amen. We can't claim the title Christian and not be people of service. See, a Christian that does not mature to the place of service is a contradiction. You know why? Because we're conned to believe that it's all about what we get from God. And God did not come just to bless you, to bless us. God came to do great things through us. So the question is, what stops us from service unto others? What keeps us? What limits us? And I would dare say that one of the reasons is our comfort. The excuses that we're comfortable with. Some of those excuses, well, you know, to be honest, for some of us, we might be more interested in serving our own needs. That's an excuse, right? For some of us, we may feel inadequate serving others. We may question if we'll be even received by others. That's an excuse, right? For some of us, it's I don't have enough time or I don't have enough resources. You know what I've learned about serving people? People don't remember what you give them. People remember the consistency of people that are servants. Amen. You ever heard that saying? People don't want to hear what you know until they know that you care. Right? We're called to be servants. And so we get comfortable. And tr the truth is that when we, we feel almost, how can I put it, safe in our comfort, we're nestled. And the truth is that safety is an illusion when it comes to service. It's an illusion. Reminds me of a, a mama eagles are very interesting. It, they, they care for their, their young uh, baby eagles. They nestle them in, the, in, in their nest. They, they put their nest really high to keep them away from predators and, and all types of threats. But then one day, baby eagle who's used to mama doing everything, feeding them with everything, always tending to them, always covering them. One day, Mama Eagle has this instinct that says, it's time for you to fly. And here's what Mama Eagle does. She takes Baby Eagle and she throws him out the nest. Now, watch this. This Baby Eagle has been watching Mama Eagle spread her wings all this time. And while this little baby eagle is freaking out, while gravity is doing what it does best, and the ground is approaching quickly, this baby eagle does something that it's always observed being done. It spreads its eagle, its wings, and this eagle learns that it was created to fly. Friends, listen closely. An eagle is safe high up in its nest. But that's not what eagles are created for. 
Hear what I'm saying. According to the words of Jesus, we rise to greatness, listen closely, when we discover the act, the call, the high call of service. We rise in life. Something changes. And so like the eagle who's pushed out of its nest and discovers it can fly, we can discover a, 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 a different, a, a higher realm of potential in life when we jump out of our nests and we serve. In the scriptures in 2 Kings chapter 7, the scripture records that Israel, the people of God, were in a very bad situation. In a very bad situation. See, there was a famine. And to make matters worse, the people of Israel were surrounded behind uh, walls of a city. The Aramean armies had, co had come all around them, and they surrounded them. And so here's what ends up happening. The people of Israel were in such bad shape, they had no food, and whatever food was there was at an extremely high price. It got so bad that they began to eat each other. How's that for bad? Right? You ever think I'm starving? You haven't gotten to starving until you look at someone and go, can I uh, take a bite off of your finger? You get where I'm coming from? So it was really bad. And they were surrounded by the Aramean armies. Well, outside this city gate lay four lepers. Now, lepers were people who had a really bad skin disease. Their skin literally ate itself. And so they had open flesh wounds. And back in those days, if you were a leper, you were an outcast. You were looked down upon. As a matter of fact, the law in those days said that if you were a leper, even if you were covering it, that you had to announce before everyone, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, and everybody would scatter like roaches. So these guys were outside of the city gate. And the scripture tells us that they were laying there dying. They were waiting to die. And one day, while they're laying there, they, one, they say to, amongst themselves, hey, look, we're dying here, just laying here. So let's go to our enemy's camp, the Arameans, and let's ask them if they would give us something to eat. And what's, what, what can we lose here? If we go there and they let us live, we'll eat and we'll be alive. But if we go there and they kill us, we're dying anyway, so... Big deal. Let's go. So they, they, get, they get each other up and they head over to the Aramean camp. And the scripture says that while they were on their way there, that God caused the Arameans to hear what sounded like a massive army marching towards them. See, God intervened in this moment. God had a plan in this moment. And these lepers arrive there and what they find is that the Arameans have hightailed it. There's no enemy in sight. They've left the camp. They left in fear. They hit the hills. And so when they get there, they start walking into tent after tent after tent in this camp. And the scripture says that they find food. They find riches. They find all type of resources and supplies. And they begin to do what? Eat it. They begin to hoard it. Man, that looks good. And they begin to grab all these things for themselves. But then something interesting happens. One of them looks at the rest and says, this thing that we are doing is not good. There are consequences that will come from this. We're going to look at that a little bit more in a second. And so 
when they realize that, they go back to the city and they shout out to the king this message. The Arameans are gone. God has intervened. There's food. There's uh, spoils. There's supplies. There's resources in the Aramean camp. Everybody come. Now, I want you to think what the reaction was of the people hearing this. I don't want to be amongst those lepers. This can't be true. How could that be? Well, the king dispatches four riders out. They go and they discover that it's true. And all Israel comes out and they begin to enjoy the spoils and resources and the food. And everyone lives. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. When did the lepers start to actually live? Get where I'm coming from. The scripture tells us, if you study it in, in 2 Kings 7, that, uh, chapter 2, verse 7, that they were dying. That they were in a process of dying. So I would imagine that they were emaciated. They were skin and bones. Not only did they have leprosy, they also were lacking nutrition. And so these guys are in bad shape. And some might say it was when they got up and they decided, we've got to do something. Some, might, some of us might think, well, it was when their bellies were full. But I would submit to you that that wasn't when these guys started living. Listen closely. 2 Kings 7, verse 9. I alluded to this already, but I'll read it. It says, they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day, listen closely, of good news. It's a day of good news. There's something good that is happening here. God is doing something great. And here we are keeping it to ourselves. Here we are hoarding what God is doing unto ourselves. Here we are containing what God is doing among us. Watch this. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. In the Hebrew, when it says punishment will overtake us, here's what they're actually saying. They're saying consequences will come if we choose this manner, if we do this. It's going to go bad for us in the long run. And so let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So what we see here is that according to what these lepers experienced, when they were just feeding themselves, they realized, this isn't right. Can I submit to you, friends, that if we're not living to serve, we're not living. We're not living. Life has a flow. Life has to flow. We don't just receive life. We give life. We are channels for life. Come on now. How many of us can testify to the fact that maybe at one time you were down, but somehow God showed up, and I guarantee you it was through someone, and you received your answer. You received help. You received strength. You received wisdom. You, received, you, 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 you discovered opportunity. See, God works best through people. I'll prove it to you. When he had to bring a solution to people, he came in the form of a person. So if we're not living to serve, we're not truly living. And these guys were busy keeping it all to themselves. They were living for self, but they realized that living for self 
brought consequences. And so what can we learn from these lepers? What can we learn from the scriptures? What can we learn about the fact that we are actually saved to serve? Friends, the first thing that I want to submit to you is this. It's that saved people that serve save lives. Saved people that serve save lives. I want you to think about this. God has done a great work in your life. God is working in your life right now. The fact that you woke up with breath is an indication that God is still available and wanting to do something great in your life. Amen? Come on now. You can give God some praise for that. Right? The fact that you have strength indicates that you were created to save our lives, that you were created to be a channel for life. I heard a story once of a, a little boy. Uh, what just happened here? I heard, a, I heard a story once of a little boy who uh, uh, had a friend, a schoolmate. Her name was Mary, and she was in need of a blood transfusion. It turns out that she had a deadly disease that required a transfusion, and the time was of the essence. You know, they had to get something done quick. And although she had a rare blood type, which was hard to find, they soon discovered that little Johnny had the same blood. It was a perfect match. And the fact that he had also undergone this same sickness years before was, uh, was an indication that recovery was almost certain if little Mary got this transfusion. And so the doctor carefully explained to little Johnny as he clung to both his parents, what was about to happen. He pointed out that without this transfusion, Mary would die. And then he asked this question to little Johnny. He says, would you be brave and give blood, your blood, to her? Now, little Johnny hesitated. His lower lip began to tremble. But then a smile came across his face. And he said, sure, someone has to do it. Someone has to do it. And so the two children were immediately wheeled into the hospital room. Mary, who was pale and thin, lay on her, on her uh, gurney. And Johnny, who was robust and healthy, laid on his. And he looked over to Mary and he smiled at her as they watched as the blood traveled out of his body down the clear plastic tube into her body. Then all of a sudden, Johnny's smile faded. And as he lay there feeling a little weird, a little weak even, he looked up at the doctor and he said, Doctor, when do I die? You see, Johnny thought that giving his blood to Mary meant he would have to give up his life so that another could have life. Friends, I want you to consider that saved people that serve people save lives. When we begin to live to serve others, we fail to realize sometimes that God is working in the midst of that. Amen. The scripture puts it this way. It says that greater love has no man than this. Fellas, you ever give your wife some flowers and said, I love you? That's great. But let me tell you that that's not an indication of love. Gifts are not an indication of love services. The scripture says that greater love has no man than this. The pinnacle of love in life is this, that he laid down his life for his friends. 
that he laid down his life for his friends. I thank God for a church, for a people, for a congregation that understands that we are saved to serve. Amen. That we actually are saved to serve. That the way up is down because when you add life to someone, you can also receive life. Amen? Amen. And so oftentimes, we serve for what we get out of it. Come on now, let's be real with ourselves. We feel good about ourselves. We get a sense of fulfillment, right? We, we, it, it does something to us. Maybe it's recognition. Maybe it's, you know, a notch that we put on our belt for a good deed for the day. But friend, that's not service. That's selfish. That's not service. That's selfish. If that's why we serve, that's selfish. See, you and I are not living until we start giving of ourselves, we have to look at service as giving a part of ourselves that adds life to another. Now, what's interesting is that these lepers, they discovered food, the very thing that they needed to survive. But these lepers discovered life when they served the needs of others. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Think about this. Why were they outside the city gate? Let me tell you why. Because nobody wanted them within the city gate. These men were ostracized from people. They were ostracized from life-giving relationships. They were ostracized from community. They were looked down upon. They were cast out. But all of a sudden, they discover this food. They discover these resources, and they get a great idea, a godly idea. They say, what we're doing and serving just ourselves is bad. We have to bring this news so that everyone might have life. And at that point, watch what happens if you study this. The scripture says that all Israel came out of the city gates and that everyone enjoyed the sustenance that was available from the Aramean camp. Why do I share that with you? Because all of a sudden, nobody cared that they were lepers. Nobody was worried about their condition. They were all in the camp enjoying the resources. Are you seeing where I'm coming from here with this? These men, Instead of leaving the people inside the city to die of starvation, they went back to give them what they needed. And they enjoyed, they began to enjoy life with everyone among them. 1 Corinthians 9.19 puts it this way. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Watch this. To win as many as possible. Don't miss what the scripture is saying here. Service saves lives. Service saves lives. Service saves lives. We had the distinct privilege, Pastor Nett was sharing, uh, for some of us to go out to the police department. We didn't drag out many of you because it was like super early in the morning. We wanted to catch both shifts. We actually did all three shifts uh, at the police department. But we particularly, the church at the bridge, uh, undertook the Seven, the uh, 8 a.m. to 4, 4 p.m. shift. So we caught, we got there super early, brought the breakfast, and we caught the sh outgoing shift and the incoming shift. And one of the things that I was discussing with the volunteers there as, as one of the chaplains leading, I was saying to them, listen, the reason why we are doing this is not simply to give pe officers food. 
We're doing this to give honor where honor is due. And I was sharing with the volunteers, this is why we're doing this. These men and these women wake up every day not knowing if they'll return home. And they do it anyway. They do it anyway. Do you realize that these officers, when they show up, they show up with the intention not just of solving a problem, but of saving lives. See, if we just took that approach to life, according to the scripture, we would be existing in life at the highest level of love because we understand that save people, serve people. And save people that serve people, save lives. You never know what your service can do in the life of another. You never know. You never know what a person's going through, what a person's thinking, how much a person might be struggling. You may not, know, you may not realize it, but in you serving someone, that can be the very thing that reminds them of their value before they waste that value by taking their own life. We save lives through our service. And so when we meet people where they are and we serve them, God uses us just like he used these lepers to save lives. The second point that I want to leave you with here is that serving others entails sacrifice. But to not serve others is to sacrifice all. It's to sacrifice all. Serving others comes at an expense. Let's be honest. It is a sacrifice. But I would submit to you that... I, Many of us have, some of us have the wrong idea of sacrifice because we think of sacrifice as what I have to give up. We have this idea that sacrifice is losing something. Let me propose to you what the scripture says about sacrifice and service. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, one person gives freely, watch this, yet gains even more. Watch this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Now watch how this defies human rationale. If I have it and I hold it, I'm good. What the scripture says, if you have it and you hold it, it will lead to poverty. Why? Because we were created to to flow life through us, not hoard it. Watch what verse 25 says. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let me remind you of something. This is not my opinion. This is God's word. This is God's promise. These lepers acted out of a sense of what was right. What they didn't realize was that it served God, that God was doing something through them. See, in God's kingdom, people who serve add to their lives by what they subtract from it. When we give, friends, we live. You know why? Because the more you are rendered, you, you have a life that is rendered in service to others you are also one who can receive from God. There's room to receive. 
And oftentimes what we fail to realize is that we are the lid to what God wants to do in our lives. If God is a giver, what makes us any different? We are saved to serve. Saved to serve. And the scriptures give us an example of a, a rich young ruler. We won't read it, but I'll just allude to it. This young man came to Jesus seeking life, seeking the kingdom of God. And so when he gets to Jesus, he says, what do I have to do to get life? And Jesus says, you know the law, do X, Y, and Z. And he goes, I've done all those things from, 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 from my youth, from my young age. What else do I lack? And Jesus says to him, go and sell your possessions, because he was one who had great wealth, and give to the poor. Go ahead and give to the poor. And the scripture says that this young man left sorrowful, that he left saddened, that he left downcast. Why? Because he was holding on to what he possessed. But in walking away with what he had, he put a stop to what Jesus wanted to add to his life. Friends, closed hands can't receive anything. Closed hands have no room to receive anything. Let me ask you a question for personal reflection. Are you clenching to what you think is yours? Are you holding on to what God has called you to give? By the way, newsflash, don't worry, we're not taking a second off. Don't worry about that. That's not what this is about. I'm talking about a life of service. Talking about, about, talking about being a channel for life to flow to us and through us. See, we are filled when we empty ourselves, friends. I want you to chew on that. According to what the kingdom of God teaches us, what we see through the life of this rich young ruler, what we see through Proverbs 11.24, we're actually filled when we empty ourselves. But we become empty if we do not fill others. Mm. See, sacrifice is always worth it because sacrifice is addition by subtraction. It's powerful. The last point I want to leave you with here for reflection and application is that serving people never serves people. It serves God. When we serve people, we're not serving people. We serve God. The Lord Jesus put it this way. We're going to look at this in a second, but in Matthew 25, he says that in the day of judgment, that all the nations will be before the great king. And that he's going to look upon them as a shepherd who's separating the sheep from the goats. Sheep are animals that are driven to follow a shepherd. As long as there's a leader in their midst, they will follow, they will fall in line. Goats, on the other hand, are temperamental. Goats bite. Goats are unruly. Goats aren't easily submissive. Start getting the picture here. So the scripture says that Jesus in that day will separate the sheep from the goat, and he'll say to the sheep, Blessed are you because when I was in prison, you came to see me. 
When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in need, you helped me. The scripture says that the sheep are going to say to him, when did we do that? When did we go see you in prison? When did we help you? When did we feed you? And then it says that he'll say the same thing to the goats. When you didn't go to see me in prison, you didn't do it, you, you, you didn't do it for me. You, 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 you neglected me. When I was hungry and you didn't feed, when, when, they, when you were among those people and they were hungry and you didn't feed them, you didn't feed me. They're going to ask the same thing. He's going to say, watch this. In Matthew 25, we're going to read verse 40 and then we're going to read verse 45. It says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And to the goats, he says this in Matthew 25, verse 45. He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. I want you to see something, friends. Whenever there's an opportunity to serve, God is in the midst to be found. God is there. When we serve, we're not serving people. When we serve, it's not an opportunity to feel good about ourselves. It's a divine appointment with God. We are saved to serve, friends. We are saved to serve. I said we are saved to serve. See, we cannot serve God without serving people. We cannot. It defies the biblical example that Jesus gave us. So if we're going to serve, we must understand that we're not doing it for the sake of people. We're doing it unto God himself, friends. As we stand here and we come to a close today, I want to give you a portion of scripture. Let's stand together, please. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 7, says this. Serve wholeheartedly. Listen to what God says to us. Serve with your whole heart. With your whole heart as if you were serving the Lord. As if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever they do, whether they are slave or they are free. See, no matter our circumstances, no matter life's challenges, no matter the condition of our lives, each and every one of us has a divine appointment to serve. Because God is there. So I would encourage you to not just give because, and not just serve because it's the season according to the world. No, give and serve because we have a reason to. We're saved 
to serve. We're saved to serve. And saved people that serve people save lives. Just look at the world around you and you will see a need for Christ. You will see a need for God. You will see a need for light. You will see the reason that you've been saved. Why not step out and be people that serve and introduce people to the God that saves? Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.